Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gents, members of the YFNMG global community. It is I, Desire, your friendly neighborhood movie goer, John L., and I'm here again to talk to you about more film, more cinema, more of these movies that I have watched in recent times, and I wanted to, uh, to have a conversation about what's been in the social media sphere for the last couple of weeks. What's been, I think, I believe, in my own personal opinion, one of the coolest things to happen in quite some time. Uh, you might have seen the title, uh, seen the thumbnail for what it is that I'm talking about here, but I have to say this in a certain way. And I'm not apologizing for it because, yeah, Godzilla minus one. This movie, man, let me tell you. <laughs> So, let me backtrack a bit. As a youth, my grandfather introduced me to action films and Spanish language comedies, right? And in combination with growing up with the likes of Clint Eastwood and John Wayne and Charles Bronson and Chuck Norris as my uh, favorite actors as a, as a child to then understand that there was other kinds of films out there was interesting, cool part of my development and everything else in between. One of the first out-of-the-norm sci-fi type movies I watched as a kid was a grainy, black-and-white actor in a bodysuit costume monster movie from like the 60s it had to be it was one of the first American made Godzilla films right and as a kid I didn't know that Godzilla was originally something that came from Japan. I grew up a bit, became a teenager. Uh, the internet was at its peak user interface infancy in the late 90s. So I would look stuff up. Came to find out about Toho their lineage and their creation of Godzilla 
the differentiation between the Godzilla films from Japan and America. So I searched high and low for these Japanese Godzilla films. Rented a lot of that stuff on VHS. Props and much credence to my local video rental store um, and Blockbuster for having some of those films. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was Cappy's was the name of the video rental store. I could be completely wrong. I got to talk to the homies from the, from the old neighborhood to see if that was the actual name of the video store or not. But it was from there and um, and Blockbuster where I got to know about the uh, the Japanese version of the gods of the franchise. The Toho stuff, right? I mention all this because I came into this Godzilla Minus One movie with one thing in mind. Godzilla, Japanese Godzilla, fin wreck shop. And give me the, the regular feels that a kaiju film would, right? I purchased tickets to a fan screening of Godzilla Minus One in one of the uh, AMC Dolby premium screens at my local uh, was it at my local? Let me see. Hold on, hold on. I got my calendar right here. Yeah, my local AMC because sometimes I have to venture out. So I saw it at my local AMC in the Dolby. And when the first scene comes on and you understand that this movie is taking place post-World War II and you just take a look at the cinematography and how the movie is introduced to you, how it's shot. And I was like, okay, this is a little different. You know, they have the the story being explained in text, you know, the timeline and everything and whatnot. And we get introduced to the main characters in the story. Right? And to me... I said to myself, this is a different avenue that they're going on with this Godzilla movie. Because we're paying real close attention to the human element, the human characters of a Godzilla movie, which is rarely done and I said to myself okay this isn't your regular run of the mill Godzilla film even for Toho right from beginning to end I'll speak for myself 
and a lot of people out there. I'll get this out of the way as a matter of fact. Rotten Tomatoes currently has the audience score of Godzilla minus one at 98%. 112 critics have it at a 97%. Folks, this is a Godzilla movie. I reference this because this is considered sci-fi, action-adventure. It's a Japanese-language movie with English subtitles. And a lot of the time, foreign films, regardless if they're action films or not, don't do very well in the American box office. The human story in Godzilla has you invested from beginning to end. This movie was so well written and so well acted within the sphere, within the scope of this emergence of this monster post a nuclear bomb being dropped in Japan, right? Um, I've come to understand after many, many years that Godzilla was basically a metaphor for what happened to Japan during the times of of World War II. And he's a creation of war, nuclear waste and the sense and feeling of an entire nation wanting to create destruction upon those who destroyed their homeland. I read somewhere after I watched the movie that if you look close enough to Godzilla the portrayal of the actual monster in the movie like the scaly skin looks like the scars and the embattled people that were left for dead in Japan after a nuclear bomb was dropped on them And like, in my head, I can no longer unsee that reference. And that to me was deep. So I was like, it's Godzilla. It's not supposed to be that deep. But everyone's interpretation of things is different. And because this movie brought forth such an emotional link to the human characters in a Godzilla film. It just resonated even more. There's no big synopsis for the movie. There's a one-line synopsis here on Rotten Tomatoes. It says, Japan is already devastated by the war when a new crisis emerges in the form of a giant monster. Yeah, that happens. But the story also lends to you 
understanding the main human character's conflict. As a man who comes home after the war with this heavy burden and guilt, he was a kamikaze pilot. For those who don't know, um, Japanese kamikaze pilots are the equivalent, and I don't necessarily, you know what, I'll use it anyways, are the equivalent of suicide bombers in the Middle East. Or, you know, people just strapping C4 to, to a freaking vest and then just using themselves as a temporary distraction and then, you know, causing chaos, chaos and destruction somewhere. Kamikaze pilots were basically the same thing. They, they were always on a suicide mission. They would go in with the intent of destroying and not coming back. You know? And he ended up on an island where airplanes would go to get repaired for the Japanese Navy. He ended up on this island um, claiming that his... Uh, his plane's guns weren't shooting. So he couldn't finish out his mission. After the mechanics looked at his plane, they said everything was fine. They found that he lied and that he avoided his mission because he was too scared to do what he was asked for and do what he enlisted for. That's the burden that he carried along with seeing the death and destruction of his homeland due to war. The atrocities of war, as they say. Combine that with the underlying factor that he just wanted to live was something that was so I don't even necessarily want, I don't think endearing is the word it's relatable right because you're, you're put on this earth to live a life no matter how long or short it might be. Right? And to volunteer your life for your nation due to the fact that there was war on your homeland or in your homeland takes willpower and choice out of life. You felt obligated because you have this, and I'm speaking for the, the character in this movie, because you have this sense of loyalty and patriotism to your country. 
but it takes your free will away to live your life the way you want it. I say all that, right? Obviously, um, the nuclear bomb helped to create this vicious monster, which is now causing chaos, mayhem, and even further death on his homeland. It's like Godzilla is angry, not at those who dropped a bomb on him. No, he's angry at the people who I guess a, a lot of whom had nothing to do with said war, but he wanted to cause so much havoc, chaos, and death to Japan because I guess metaphorically speaking they let it happen right if 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 you want to take it from that perspective not knowing the intricacies and the layers to why war occurs and why certain things happen during wartime and obviously this is an animal we're talking about here right so um don't have a vastly overly developed uh process of a mind it's still an animal right it's just trying to defend itself against those who are in its sight But that's complex within itself, right? It's fighting for its own survival. But there's an anger in this beast that comes from somewhere. And, and to me, it's, 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 it's linked to this war. But it's short-sighted because it doesn't necessarily know who created such war. It, it just knows what's in front of it, right? It doesn't have an allegiance to anything, just itself. Take that with the level of guilt um, and PTSD that this soldier has and it takes you through this story of how it evolves through if I'm not mistaken I think about a I say five to seven year period where he gets home uh, his parents are dead he runs into this girl who has a baby. The baby isn't necessarily. Um, the, the, he runs into this girl. This girl has a baby with her. The baby doesn't even belong to this girl. It, the, the baby. Uh, the girl isn't the baby's mother. The baby's parents died during the war. The lead male character, the kamikaze pilot, ends up, for lack of a better term, rooming with said woman and the baby uh, having his 
uh, non-blood family basically never committing to the woman telling the little girl as she's growing up that he's not her father didn't want to tie himself down to a family or anyone because of his guilt and this burden this war this internal war he was fighting within himself he basically didn't think he was good enough or deserved a family because of quote unquote what he did uh, on the island and where he gets the, the plane repaired he uh, he encounters Godzilla for the first time uh, the blame of Godzilla coming to the island and him not getting back into this kamikaze plane and shooting down Godzilla with his 20mm gun is placed upon him by one of the mechanics on the naval base um, after the, the death and destruction on the naval base that particular mechanic comes away alive but with injury he then like I said blames the kamikaze pilot eventually they end up on mainland Japan he has all these photos of the men and uh, enlisted naval mechanics that died during Godzilla's first attack on this island he gives this the kamikaze pilot the photos of those men with their families and stuff like that and basically makes um use his name uh, Shikishima feel more guilt because their their blood is on his hands because he didn't decide to take a second chance to fulfill his duty as a kamikaze pilot to try to take down Godzilla at the end of it all It would have been futile. Those 20 millimeter guns wouldn't have done anything to Godzilla. And you see this level of self-imposed pressure, self-imposed, not even, well, it's self-imposed, but also imposed by others, levels of guilt upon Shikishima. And him not wanting to create these long-lasting bonds with people in general was another element of his story. But ultimately, he did create these bonds. Unknowingly to him, other people began to care about him and his strife. Nightmares would wake him during the nights when he was back on Japan's mainland, trying to find work and trying to do right by his newfound um, adoptive family and still dealing with intermittent appearances of Godzilla here and there. At one point, uh, he lost the woman who became the young girl's uh, mother um, who ends up coming back by the end of the movie, <laughs> which was... I knew that was coming, 
during the movie, but they played it well. They really, really played it well. Um, so, you know, he had a new adopted family in Japan, plus the people that he ended up working with. These people ended up working with the Japanese government, essentially. Um, uh, he ended up having a job to uh, detonate um, mines in the sea. And then they created this whole entire plan on how to take down Godzilla. All from there. All the emotional ties from all these characters who now care about Shikishima. And the... The mechanic. Uh, the plane mechanic from the island. Essentially becomes a linchpin character by the end of the movie. Uh, the mechanic's name was Takebana. Uh, Tachibana. I don't know how they... I say Takibana. I think it's Takibana. Um, but Takibana comes back by Act 3. He becomes a, lin a linchpin character to help Shikishima gain a confidence to where he finally acted and did his part as a soldier to save those people that he could save now and make it and make the difference now that he couldn't make during wartime it was a redemption story within the story of PTSD and heavy burden and guilt i haven't even spoken about how dope <laughs> Godzilla looked in the movie, how cool the effects were. Like the human story of it all is what drove this movie. It was so fascinating, so good. It got into the feels. There were certain times during the movie where, where I wanted to shed a tear. I was like, I just felt for this dude. And when he redeemed himself and he was able to help put down Godzilla for the moment because we know Godzilla is like immortal um, and there were a couple of scenes throughout the movie where they would blow chunks of Godzilla's head off and you would see Godzilla regenerate in immediate sense and I'm like they're like shit how they put Godzilla down and then they came up with this whole science based strategy on how to kill quote unquote Godzilla and they were able to thwart him for the time um, by the end of this movie but the movie by the end also left us with a beating heart and regeneration happening at the same time so we know Godzilla's going to be back but the story ended the human story ended with uh, Shikishima redeeming himself um, after he lost his, let's say, wife uh, during one of Godzilla's uh, rage-induced paths, she ended up recuperating in a hospital there in Japan and being able to put his family back together. Actually ended up marrying the woman, raising the child, things of that nature. So they ended up not happily ever after, because I'm sure there's going to be more to this story. 
but he at least, Shikishima that is, redeemed himself, not only in his eyes, but he also redeemed himself in the eyes of all those that knew that he basically abandoned his position as a kamikaze pilot during World War II because he was the one who basically led the fight against Godzilla and, ev and eventually defeated Godzilla in this movie. Man. <laughs> Dude, that to me was... Um, it's my second favorite movie of the year so far because I was so into it. Um, what's my favorite movie of the year, you ask? I still can't get off the high that Japanese anime Blue Giant left me with. But Godzilla... Minus one is up there, folks. It gets the YFNMG stamp of approval, recommendation, whatever you want to call it. My global community, I ask of you, if there is a theater out there that is playing this movie, spend your money. If you don't want to watch it in a premium screen, even though I recommend it for you to watch it on a premium screen, if you don't have the, the means for it, then watch it. On a regular screen. I just feel like this movie needs to be seen. That is my. That is my message. To y'all. With this movie. Gods of the Minus One. It's just dope y'all. I can't wait. For this movie. To come out. On 4K Blu-ray. Um. This is one of those movies I'm going to own in as many formats as possible. Um, I didn't get to watch it again in theaters because I had other stuff to watch. Um, and even though the theater stay has been extended to this to the end of this week, um, there is other stuff I'm watching this week, so I'm not going to get to watch it again. But 4K Blu-ray, when it drops, hopefully there's some sort of a collector's edition or whatever. I'm buying it. Um, yeah, stamp of approval from me, Godzilla minus one, I wish I could play, Simon says, the Pharaoh Monch song, that is for y'all, so that y'all can understand that Toho used the Godzilla entrance theme, it used the overall Godzilla theme, the orchestral theme, that's what was created back in... 54 I want to say they used that as well in the movie and I thought that the cinematography um, where they shot the movie the effects were amazing this movie according to reports was shot was made I'm sorry was made for 15 million dollars the equivalent of the director of the movie Takashi Yamazaki. He also wrote the movie. He said he wished it was $15 million. But it was less than that. So there are reports out there now 
that the movie was made for like about $12 million. Be that as it may, the U.S. box office gross for this Godzilla movie, this Japanese-made Godzilla movie, is at about $12 million. Worldwide, it's $50 million. People would say, but that's not a lot of money. It's only $50 million. Like, there's movies that have made hundreds of millions and billions of dollars. Why is this a thing? Think about it this way, folks. They didn't use a big-time Hollywood studio to distribute the film here in, in the U.S. This is Toho International doing their thing. They pushed the movie via social media and previews in the movie theater, right? And putting it in... Um, in the trades here in America, right? For a movie to be made for $12 million and internationally, globally, it be able to make 50? If you make three times your budget, you've made money. Simple math, 12 times three is 36. If we're going with the 15 million, even then, 15 times three, it's 45. So they're already in the surplus. They won. They made money. That's it. My hope is, with my message to y'all, that we keep this number going. That we keep this number increasing. And that we ask Takashi Yamazaki to make another Godzilla film. Because this film was awesome. Definitely an awesome film. As always, folks, thank you for listening to my cinematic musings. Thank you for taking your time and spending your time with me here on the podcast. Stay tuned next time. More films, more movies to review. Be well, folks. Stay safe out there. And take care of one another. Because at the end of the day, we all we got. See you next time. Peace, peace.